Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. That. One of the main challenges that I think Christians have. If we know where that is. Okay. Anyway. One of the main challenges that Christians have besides. No, I'm kidding. Is. Uh, it's the challenge of how do we live out what it is to be a Christian. Once you become a Christian, how do you live it out? Uh, and it turns out it's really not that easy. I mean, you really may be sitting here this morning and you might be a Christian. You, you've begun a relationship with the living God. And it comes through Jesus. Uh, you've, you've prayed a prayer. You, you've had an encounter with Him. You have... Uh, a relationship whereby you know He loves you, and, and you listen to Him, and you know He hears your prayers, and, and you see Him active. You, you have that. But just becoming a Christian only solves one or two problems in our lives. We, we tend to approach it as if all of our problems should be solved. But it doesn't solve all your problems. If you're not a Christian, maybe this is why. Maybe you tried it out and, and you still had the problems. But I'm telling you, becoming a Christian doesn't solve all your problems. It solves the problem of eternal life. You get that. It, it solves the problem of knowing that, well, or, or the truth is God is always with you and for you. Solves that problem. But the everyday problems, <laughs> you still got them. You have the challenges. You have the hurts, the struggles in, in your relationships and, and in and just the everydayness of life. The, we have a lifetime of living that we've done, don't we? And becoming a Christian doesn't undo our lifetime of living. You've grown up in a family of origin and you have a world view because of that, which may not be reflective of what it is to know that Jesus is Lord and he's on the throne and is worthy of everything. Now, your, your own life experiences may contribute to your world view. Uh, you have habits that you formed over the course of your life. Those don't go away just because you've become a Christian. You have hurts and scars because of the painful times that you've gone through. We still bear those. Uh, there's sins that you've pursued. Haven't you? I have. There's sins that have pursued you. And our enemy doesn't give up just because we've prayed a prayer. Just because we've had an encounter with the living God. And even though Christians, you may be born again. You may have a brand new life within you that you never had before you became a Christian. Not all of you aligns with it. The way that the scriptures talk about it, it it's like everybody has this, this nature that, that you kind of, some of it is just in you. That, that Adam started stuff and it's been passed on ever since. So some of it's just in you. Some of it is in you because 
you know, some people say it, it's in your DNA. You know, your great-grandparents were alcoholics, and your grandparents were alcoholics, and your parents were alcoholics, and somehow it's in you. You know, there are things that, that are there. Not all of the stuff in us aligns with this new life that we get in Christ. This old nature still exists even after you become a Christian. The, the good news is, when you do become a Christian, if you do believe in Jesus, if you do trust in what he did on the cross, you get a brand new nature. And it actually kind of takes the place of the old nature, but the old nature is still there. All those hurts and hang-ups and habits and all, they're still there. All the scars, they're still there. Even though there's something that you are more new than you've ever been. But it's hard to walk it out because of the old stuff and it's still there. The perceptions you have, the things that you hang on to, and what gives... What gives? I mean, we're saved. We come into this relationship totally by the grace of God. It is a free gift to anyone who believes. Anyone who realizes and confesses, you know what? Jesus really is in charge. He really did do that on the cross. He really did rise again. I mean, I'm in. Anybody. It's it's a free gift. You don't earn it. Right? Right? And and anybody in here, anybody listening online in the weeks following, y'all, you can have that. You, you, when you believe those things, when you step out in that relationship, you become a child of God. And that can never be taken from you. But it takes effort to live into it. It takes choices to follow up on that. And those choices aren't easy. Salvation is free. A right standing with God is a gift. But then we're told you have to quit doing some things and start doing others. That's tough. Now, it seems like it would be easy... But it's not. It, it's kind of like, I, I know that you can't really see this very clearly on the screen, but this is like you're, you're inside of a prison cell, and you're looking out through the bars, but the door is open. The old nature is kind of like something that keeps us captive, keeps us locked up. And you don't have any recourse if you're not a Christian. That's all you got. You're, you live within those boundaries and those confines of what that old nature is. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, that's what you got. You got who you are. The worldview you have, the habits you have, the hurts you have, that's who you are. And you can't get away from it. But when you trust in Jesus, when, when you become a Christian... Jesus has a key, and he unlocks and opens a door. But he doesn't make you walk out. You get to walk out. 
you don't have to live in that cell anymore. But it takes your effort to get up and go out and to do it differently. When you become a Christian, you have a choice that you've never had before. Jesus gives you his life. And when he gives you his life, you can start living in his life, in his strength. But we don't always, do we? I don't. But we can. You have the choice that you never had before. All right. Joshua told the Israelites that they had a choice. All of these scriptures come out of our reading today. I'll tell you if they don't. I have something in there that doesn't. Joshua twenty four fourteen. Joshua tells these Israelites who were they've they've been delivered from slavery. God opened the door. And they were able to walk out of Egypt. They're about to walk into a new life in the promised land. And Joshua is really challenging these folks. Are you sure that you're ready to do this? And he says, hey, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Then goes on. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. You have a choice. And you're either going to live the Jesus life or the old nature life. It's your choice. But don't pretend like it's not. And don't ignore that you have the choice. And Joshua says, and I love this, and you probably love this too. Let's read that last little bit. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made his choice. He challenged these folks. He said, folks, what, what do you think? I, are you serious? You think you can follow the Lord? You think you can do what it takes? They said, yeah, we're going to do this. How well did they do? If you know your history, you know they didn't do well. They did well for a little while. But they were doing it on their own strength. You can do anything for a while, right? But after a while, it's like, dang, you know, it, it, it gets hard. I don't want to do it anymore. They did it for a while. But after a while, they were just doing it in their own strength. It got hard. And, and when you're dealing with a nation, what is... How does God treat a nation? We're talking to a nation here. We're not talking just to individuals in, uh, in this scripture. How does God treat a nation that turns away from him? It's, it doesn't go well for them. In fact, typically what happens is culture breaks down. Other nations come in. They take over. It may be with an army. It may not. But everything changes. And all of a sudden, you're not in charge anymore. You used to be free to make the choices. Now you're not free. Somebody comes in and takes over. They, you know, their big guy beats your big guy. 
You serve them for a while, and they'd repent, and God would fix it, and they'd come back. Joshua warned them there. said, Nation, if you forsake the Lord, if you serve foreign gods, and it'll be your choice to do it, he'll turn, he'll bring disaster on you. He'll make an end of you after he's been good to you. God's really good to you. That's what he wants to be. And he's not doing it because he hates you and doesn't like you anymore. He still loves you. But I don't know about your house. In my house, if my kids were doing bad, we didn't just pat them on the head and say, God, I still love you. We did still love them. But we also let them know there are consequences. And they had to face consequences. Anybody else ever see that? It was effective in our house. God lets nations face consequences. He let them be overtaken by other nations, be taken into captivity. It destroyed their culture. It destroyed their way of life. The psalmist today in Psalm 16 had this little line. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. If you make the wrong choices, your sorrows go up. That's what happened to Israel. That's what happens to individuals. That may have happened to you. The sorrows will increase for those who run after other gods. So the Israelites were in that constant cycle. You know, they'd sin and leave God and, and there was destruction. And in the middle of it, they'd, they'd repent. Oh, God, why have you forsaken us? We repent. We're sorry. God would say, okay. You repent. I'm coming back. And he'd deliver them. And things would be good for a while. And then they'd sin and turn away from God. And other nations would come in. It wouldn't go well. And, you know, they'd call out, oh, God, we're sorry. And it was a cycle. They went through that over and over and over. It seems like it would be easy to make different choices, but evidently it's not. Even for Jesus' followers, you know, the disciples, it wasn't easy for them to make all the choices. In fact, uh, in our scriptures, we, we have over and over Letters and, and that say things like, you really have to put that old nature to death. It's a matter of killing something. It's not just, oh, choice A or choice B. I'll take B. That was a smart one. A is, is, is fighting you on it. Your old nature fights you over this stuff. And, and it's so hard to deal with it that the comparison is putting it to death. Paul wrote the Colossians about it. He wrote a lot of folks about this. But in Colossians 3, 5, he told them, it's straight up, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, that old nature, that who you were before you met Jesus' nature. You've got to kill it. What? That sounds rude. Yeah, but that's the kind of attitude you have to take against that old stuff. And instead, he says in verse 10, put on your new nature. That's that Jesus nature. That's the the new life that he gives you as a free gift. But it's just sitting there, kind of like there's an open door in the cell, and the freedom is just sitting there, but you have to do something about it. He says, put that on. Be renewed 
as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. You've got to make choices. And it's, it's like dying. Making that choice to turn away from those things that you've always known, the way you've always seen the world. This is how we did it in my house and my daddy's house and his daddy's house. We, that's, mm, that's just it. It's too hard to give that, that, that up. Nobody knows I do it anyway. I'll tell you what. You have to put it to death and nobody likes dying. I know about you, most people that I know, they just don't like dying. And we want to live. We want to keep on seeing it the way we've always seen it. There's nothing wrong with us. It was good enough for the generations before. It's good enough now, and that's just how it is. We want to keep acting in the way that we've always acted. We want to keep doing the things that we've always done. They're comfortable. They've gotten us this far. And besides, you're stuck up if you don't see it my way. To the point that God can even confront us about it. And can say something to us about it. You know, if you're a Christian, you know. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good good father. Ooh, somebody should write a song about that. Good, good father. That has a good flow. But he is. And you know, there are things that he's confronted you about, he's confronted me about, you know that. And sometimes we walk away. Disciples did it when Jesus confronted them. They just turned around and left. He, he was given, you know, the metaphor that we're just talking about when we read the gospel in John 6. He's talking about coming and knowing him and taking in his ways, you know, like eating his body and blood. It was graphic. It was weird. It was hard. And people just couldn't take it. They left. A lot of them left because it was weird and it was strange and it was offensive. It was just too much to take. And I think, you don't have to believe this, I think Peter would have left. If he thought he had another place he could have gone. John 6, starting in 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And Jesus turned to the twelve and said, you going to leave too? And Simon Peter didn't reply, of course not, Jesus. We're in with you. That wasn't his response. His response was a little bit more guarded. He's like, where would we go? I mean, if there's some place to go, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not real hip on what you're talking about. But you have the words of, that give eternal life. I don't know anybody else that has that. And so even though I don't like it and it was weird and it's kind of gross and I don't get it, I don't understand it all, and you, I know you want me to do things that I just don't want to do, Peter said, I just, you know, I might, if there's some other way to do this, I might do it, but I don't know of any other way. But isn't that like you and me? That God sometimes comes to us and confronts us and tells us some things, and it, and it challenges us, and we're like, ah, oh, you can't be serious. 
I mean, you're supposed to love me anyway. Well, I do love you. I love you too much to let you stay like you are. Yeah, but, you know, I can't do that. It's just who I am. No, you're somebody new. You've got to let that old part die. You've got to step out. You've got to come out of the cage. The door's open. Y'all have heard stories about whether it's animals or people. Or, you know, they live in cages and behind bars for so long that even when the gates open, they don't go out. That's us. Sometimes we just stay in. We could make the choice, but we don't. It's just more comfortable. It's not as hard to fight. We don't have to kill anything. And when even God, when he rubs us the wrong way, sometimes we say, no, no, I'll just stay in here. Thanks. We ignore it. We don't want to apply it. Because I tell you what, God's ways and the things that he wants for each of us in that big, wide-open world of, of freedom and, and what it is to live into who He's made us to be, it, it conflicts with our old nature. And, and, and it means that sometimes we have to be humble, and it means sometimes we have to forgive people that don't deserve it. Well, guess what? You didn't deserve it either. You were forgiven. And it, and it means that we don't get to say that thing that, oh, 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 if you knew what I was thinking, you know. <laughs> and it's hard to let go of that stuff. Specific example. Paul got into a specific example. We read about it today in Ephesians 5. And he was talking about marriage. Now, those of you who are married, be glad you're married now. Instead of being married 2,000 years ago. It was a very different world 2,000 years ago. We understand things and, and, you know, even culturally we've moved ahead a long way from where it used to be. Christians have brought a new idea to the planet about what marriage can and should be. And over time things have changed and it's gotten better. Not all marriages the idea of marriage as a whole. But Paul had to give some specific teaching about marriages and it conflicted with old natures. You know, people don't have as much of it collectively as, as we used to. Marriage, though, is still, it's like a hot box. It, it's an, it's a, a, a place where where God has designed marriage in, in part to be a place where you have to confront that old nature. Because you're living so closely and so intimately with another human being that you can't help but bump into their old nature and they into yours. And that's okay. That's how God's designed it. But when a man and a woman mutually submit to each other, and when he loves her enough to lay down his life for her, and she respects him enough that even though she probably really does know better, she respects him and honors him anyway, 
It can be beautiful. In fact, it can be so beautiful that it starts to reflect what it was intended to reflect. The relationship between God and His church. The problem is our old natures. They get in the way. Jesus gave His life for us. Therefore, husbands, don't hold yourself to anything less than that standard. Lay down your life for your wife. Man, the the church recognized who Jesus was. And and He is worthy of all of our worship and praise. He is is, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And they got that early on. And Paul said, well, you know what? Husbands, you act like Jesus. Church, you, you know, wives, you act like church. You may think you know better sometimes. And you really, you know, you might. But show him honor and respect. Don't, it's not about becoming a slave. That's not what Paul was talking about. But the picture... That that can, that can paint to the world is powerful. And the beautiful way that you can live it out is freedom instead of being captive to the old way and the old you of doing things. If you, if you stay captive, marriage can become full of hurt and conflict and trial. And a lot of them don't last and neither should they in the state that they're in. Something's got to die. The best thing to die is the old nature. And if you won't kill the old nature, it will kill the marriage. But it doesn't have to be that way. I found out this week that we have friends. I found out about two couples that are separated now, and it's, it just it grieves me. It's not looking good for them. It won't end well if they don't learn how to deal with the old nature. They've brought hurts in, into marriage. Everybody brings hurts into marriage. You can't help it, right? And if they don't put those old ways to death, their marriage really is going to die. It's on life support right now. Two couples. But at least they have a choice. And because of the Lord, there is hope. But I don't know if they're going to walk out of the cell or not. Now, you and I, it may not be in marriage, but you and I have choices for sure. What are we going to feed? Are we going to feed the new nature or the old nature? Whichever one we feed is going to win. Even if the life that Jesus is calling you to and the choice that he's calling you to make is so different that it's offensive to you, you can do it. And it's worth it. Because where you refuse, it can go bad. If you don't kill the old nature, it's going to put something else to death. That's just how it works. Our lives end up upside down. Not because God isn't able. Not because God doesn't love us. He's given us a new life and the opportunity to walk in it. 
But He won't make us do it. That's your choice. If you're not a Christian, I know of nothing else that's better. I mean, you know, it hadn't been the most, the easiest, you know, Disney, they lived happily ever after life. But where else can we go? Nobody else has the words of eternal life but Him. I tell you what, it is the best thing going on the planet. If you're not a Christian, I invite you to consider it. Get questions answered. Talk to folks. It's real. There's a real new life that you'll know immediately. But then once you are a Christian, and if you are a Christian already in this place, I tell you what, choose who you're going to serve. Because you do have a choice. You're free from the chains that used to hold you back. You don't have to live like you're still wearing them. You can walk out of the cell and into a big, wide open world. It's better on the outside. If you live according to the sinful nature, you'll pay a price. Something's going to die. Something's not going to go well. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you're going to live a life that's going to reflect the nature and the character and the presence and the love of God Himself. So choose this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, y'all, let's serve the Lord. Amen. Let's just take a, about a minute, and I would just want to give you time to consider it and consider those places where you may need to walk out of the cell before we move on. Let's take that minute.